Crosswinds family and friends, welcome to Crosswinds Unleashed. Each week we're dedicated to bringing the best stories of biblical life principles from authentic believers. Our podcast breaks down the Christian life through interviews and practical instruction in what we hope will be a fun and accessible way. I'm Craig Cooper, the host of this podcast and lead pastor of Crosswinds Church. Always like to give a special shout out to Elijah Merrill, our executive producer, and Sheldon Boyce, our producer. Uh, in studio with me is Elijah Merrill. He's part of these discussions that we've been having uh, periodically throughout a series that we're actually having at Crosswinds on the book of Titus. Uh, and so we have with us Dave Wright, who's actually producing this episode. So thank you, Dave, for being a part of this. In studio again is Elijah Merrill and uh, Betty Ryan. Thank you both for being here. Good to be back. Yep, thank I'd you. Say, yeah, it's great to have you here. I'd, I'd like to say before we jump right in that um, if you want to learn more about this podcast or anything Crosswinds related, head on over to our website at crosswinds.church. Well, like I said, we've been having this continual conversation. We had another another episode that went out some time ago, and um, I've been just wanting to take and, and talk about some issues that are mentioned in the book of Titus uh, that, I, that I am able to mention within the message context, but not as deeply as I would like to. And one of the first actually comes out of the first chapter, but it's the uh, the eldership requirements. And, and so um, Paul has left Titus in Crete. To, to put things in order, he says. In other words, to set up leadership structure within the church, to set up discipleship structure and all these type of things. And, and one of those main areas then is who, who's Titus supposed to be looking for when he helps appoint these, these leaders, to recognize these leaders that God has for these Christian fellowships that are happening in Crete. And so he says that. He says, you know, Titus, and this is Titus 1, 5 through 9. I'll just read it for us real quick um, to put our conversation in context. He said, this is why I left you in Crete, so that you might put um, put what rec- what remained in, into order. Easy for me to say. And appoint elders in every town as I've directed you. If anyone is above reproach, a husband of one wife and his children are believers and not open to the charge of debauchery or insubordination, for the overseer as God's steward must be above reproach. He must not be arrogant or quick-tempered or a drunkard or violent or greedy for gain, but hospitable, a lover of good, self-controlled, upright, holy, and disciplined. He must hold firm to the trustworthy word as taught so that he may be able to give instruction and sound doctrine and also to rebuke those who contradict it. And, and, you know, so there's that list there. And and probably one of the things that, that interests me when you read through Scripture is you look at the eldership qualifications. And, and I don't know about you guys, but when I first read them, I thought, wow, these are big qualifications. But really, when you look at them, they're not. In fact, one of the one of the great uh, quotes about the, the the eldership qualifications found in, in Peter and then, of course, uh, Timothy and here in Titus, um, is the fact that the, the 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 amazing thing is how unamazing they really are. They're, they're they're really just standard principles that every Christian should live by, and, and so it sort of lets you know the state of the church at that point in Crete, right? That that we would look at this list and say, well, that that's sort of basic godly living, and, and yet the churches must have been so far away from that type of lifestyle. Um, that when he writes, when when Paul writes to Timothy and Titus in particular, when Peter's writing, um, they say, "Look, here's things we got to look for," and, and this is how far away they are from from really living godly lives as a culture. 
And, and so here's these principles. But yeah, that whole that whole amazing part is the amazing thing about the 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 eldership qualifications is how truly unamazing they really are in the sense of, of just how it's basic Christianity has really always um, been something that sort of, I don't know, has struck me as, as worth noting. Um, how about you when you first approached sort of the eldership qualifications? And by the way, there's a lot of um, understanding of who we mean by elders. Are they pastors? Are they lay leaders? Um, and, and for me, my answer is yes. Uh, we don't need to break down either or. It's leaders in the church, and this is the qualifications you should look for. But but the fact that they're not so extraordinary, the extraordinary parts that are not extraordinary, um, how does that hit you when you when you sort of have looked at this? Uh, Elisha, I'll, I'll start with you. you. You said in a previous podcast when you were looking at sort of leadership in the church, you, you turned to Titus. What do you think about that? You know, I think it's interesting that... Um I don't know why, but as as a culture, I feel like whenever whenever we're presented with a certain list of qualifications that that is more than like two or three things, our initial <laughs> response is always like, "Whoa, I don't." And, and that you like you sort of like don't even process at first, like right. what what is being asked, you know? And you're right. You look at this list that he that he presents, and it is just. Not a single thing on that list is something that um, I'm going to go out on a limb and say should be um, incredibly difficult for someone to a, – a follower of Christ to abide by. And um, with that being said, though, there – some of those things are challenging and you look at – we're going to dig into what the people in Crete were sort of dealing with and it's a lot of that stuff on a scale that maybe some of us might not be dealing with it on a regular basis, right? Because we we talked about it in the previous episode, we were talking about Titus. It's like there was the, – the people in Crete were so, so – so many things were so amplified, I guess, in that society. Um, but even just as like in today when we look at um, some of those qualifications, I just feel like most of them, and I love the way Paul writes it, but I feel like most of them are things that he is saying, like, um, they're things that probably an, uh, any regular person who's not even in leadership should maybe be keeping themselves in check of as well. I think it's a way of Paul being like, use this as a way to sort of help disciple people through that and to say, it's a way of checking on on some some spiritual and mental health of 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 people as well. You know, it's just a, it's 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 something that isn't isn't crazy like you were saying, but it is. It's a it's a long list of things that I feel like without without being mentored in or might just easily be so. I'm let me say it this way. I think that there are things that we view as much worse. Yes. And so it's easier to say, I'm not doing that. I'm not doing, I'm not, I'm not off, um, you know, doing all of these terrible things with these, with this group of people, or, you know, I'm not, I'm not addicted to all these different things. I'm not, you know, abusing these things or whatever. But I think, Paul is saying it, it's much simpler than that. You know, it, he's helping he's helping to keep in check some things that might normally in a person's life just 
go under the radar. Yeah. And I think and I think that really aims where Paul was going for is it's like, no, we need to be we need to be keeping ourselves in check with these things. And as we do that with just the regular daily things sometimes, that's that that's that intentional step that we are that is helpful to do in in just every in in everything to keep ourselves on pace and in, in 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 healthy habits, you know. Versus um, some of these other ones that again might be viewed as oh he's asking me to stay away from blah blah. blah. Well, it's like well, yeah, but I mean, what is it leading to? You know what I mean? I just I just feel like it's it is it's a list of things that might go unchecked much more easier and under the radar in a regular person's life and to the point of where it might not be viewed as that as that bad yeah you know and but i think paul's intentionality in writing it is saying no it's good to keep these things in in check you know how are you treating your body how are you doing you know some of these things and so no, that's good that's good and i love what you say that 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 Maybe what's most intimidating at first isn't what's on air. It's just the fact that it's a long list. Mm-hmm. What do you think, Betty? I think um, when I read this and I consider um, what's happening on this island, yeah. right, it's not a popularity contest. And was it before? Were the leaders the people who had always been in leadership and who had become greedy and who had started taking control and who had decided that um, status and all of those things were so much more important? And so somebody new coming in might think, okay, that's the right person. They know people. They this, say that. But that's not at all what the qualifications look like. Um, The qualifications look more um, in godliness and in holy living and in those kind of things. And I think you you say it well when you say they seem so large, but they're simple living. And so we're all called to go. We're all called to be disciple makers. So everybody can attain these. So I feel like what he's asking here is he's saying, choose godly people. Choose people who are growing in their faith. Choose people who um, are are um, rooted in their faith. Maybe not brand new because they're still learning, but yeah. some people who are rooted in their faith and who can go forward and begin to teach that to other people. It's interesting you point out the sort of the hierarchy of culture and, mm-hmm. and how we pick leaders in church. And, you know, um, uh, there's, there's no dispute that uh, Titus comes from a Greek background. Church tradition tells us he's actually from Crete. Uh, and so he, he understands the Cretans firsthand, right? Um, but if we understand the culture, and, and um, in a previous episode, what we do almost in every episode, we talk about context. But the historical context you pointed out is so important because leaders weren't always picked by their qualifications. The qualification—well, I shouldn't say that, 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 by their character qualifications. They were often picked by what family they came from, how much money they had, how much influence they had in the culture, and all that usually was tied together. I mean, it's not like we think of now. There, there's, you know, there's, uh, when we talk about classes, there was basically them and us, right? And them were, were the few who were from the prominent families in, uh, throughout the Greco-Roman Empire. And so you can see Titus going and, and, and needing some guidance to say, no, 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 just because they own the villa and everyone's working for them, they don't get to be the leader of the church if, they, if they're not godly. And by the way, if they're a worker, uh, you know, they're actually out working with their hands, which was sort of looked down upon a little bit by the Greco-Roman culture. That meant that you weren't wealthy or a part of the nobility. Um, But they have these qualities. They qualify. 
And so you could see, you know, even within that early church, some some problems that would erupt when you had a noble person who first comes to Christ and realizes, no, you're not a leader here. Like, you could be a leader in the world, but you need to grow in Christ before you're a leader here. And he goes, yeah, but so-and-so who doesn't have a name, you know, uh, maybe says, hey, their family's been working for my family for generations. Do you mean to tell me that I'm su- to submit myself spiritually to them? Because they're the one preaching this weekend. They're the one... And Titus would say, absolutely. Well, by what authority? Well, the Apostle Paul, right? Here's a letter he wrote, and they're living according to these things. And so there is a, there is an interesting... And I think that's still a problem in churches today. I'm thankful that I don't see it here at Crosswinds. Um, and I didn't see it when I came. So I've been here for over nine years. I haven't seen it historically, um, as I talk to people who have been here for many, many, many decades even, right? Um, but but in, and when I talk about church period in the Western world, and especially in the States, um, there's a lot of problems when people get on boards or financial teams or things of this purely by um, their reputation as business people or, you know, um, uh, maybe a family name. Sometimes, uh, you know, boards are set up by people whose family have been part of the church for years. Well, that's the son of so-and-so who was on the board. Who was the son of so-and-so who was on the board or the daughter of so-and-so who was on the board. And you sit back and go, none of those are reasonable qualifications. Well, they're big givers. So they should be on the board. Well, that that's praise God. You know, if they're being obedient with their finances, that would be part of a godly character, but that's not the whole picture. And so although we want certainly if someone's on a financial team and they have and have a financial background, that is a huge plus. And by the way, thank you, God, that that we have people on the financial team here at Crosswinds who both are godly and have that type of uh, history in their background. Um, but if you have to choose, and I've often said this, if I have to choose somebody in a leadership position between what their resume says and what their character says. I'll, character trumps resume every day. When you can get character and resume, that's a bonus, right? Um, and so this still this still impacts us today, this understanding of, of who should be in leadership and how quickly they should be in leadership. Paul warns Timothy, don't lay your hand too quickly upon somebody. And, and that protects the church and the individual. And we don't have time to get in that a whole lot, but but there's reasons why, why those things are being said, because godly character is important. And I believe when you're in a leadership position, that puts a bullseye on you from the enemy. You know, we often act like the enemy has all the power that God, like they're equal, but they're not. The enemy has limited resources. Now, when you look in Scripture, he has a lot of resources, but they're limited. God's resources are unlimited. So when we often say, well, I've been attacked by the devil today, I guess you, you probably weren't. It was probably the world, the flesh, and yet the forces that comes out of the evil that is in the world, but he has to be strategic. And so my guess is he attacks those who have the greatest influence over the direction of a, of a faith community versus everybody within the faith community, unless that faith community happens to have influence over um, uh, the larger, broader uh, Christendom, right? And, and so there's this, this powerful start out where we look at them and go, well, they don't seem so... So amazing, and in one way you look at it and say, well, the culture was so messed up that these things were certainly a stretch for some. But the other is, what's not listed is something that would have been listed in every other qualification of any leadership group within the Greco-Roman Empire. Who's their name? How long have they had wealth? You know, is it new wealth, old wealth? You know, and none of that is mentioned here. It's all godliness. It's all godliness. And to me, that's just so profound, so profound. Yeah. 
The other thing that's interesting, and you know, we are part of a denomination, the Wesleyan denomination, that that ordains women for ministry. Now, some of you listening to podcasts go, "So what?" Well, that's not a big deal to me, but it is a big deal to some. Some some believe that only men can be pastors, only men can be on boards, only men can do this, that, and the other thing. And we don't have time in this episode to really um, dig as deep into that topic as we probably should in a a future episode, except to say that most of those denominations take three passages max, usually it's two, but three passages and sort of make a theological statement, uh, which, by the way, we don't do with any other statement in Scripture. Um, But one of those things they do, they look at this leadership list and it says, ah, the husband of one wife and they'll say, well, see, there you go. they got to be men because it doesn't say the wife of one husband. Why, I, why do I put that up? Because we, we talk so much about context here, and historical context is so important. So what's happening in the Greco-Roman world at this time? Well, in the Greco-Roman world at this time, we know uh, that the, the emperor, as this letter is being written, is very troubled because the noble families are beginning to not be able to continue because the men... We're realizing, I don't really want to get married, per se. I want to have a wife that's not really my wife, and I want to have children that aren't really my children. And the emperor said, well, if we do this, the noble families are going to fall apart. And so he, he actually makes a real decree that punishes people who don't get married and have children. Because he sees that if the, if the noble families fall apart, um, the whole empire is going to fall apart. And rightfully so in the way they structured it. Not the way the church is structured, as we talked about just a moment ago, but the way this, the empire was structured. It's structured around the noble families. And so he had this great fear, great fear that that would happen. In fact, there's a story in, uh, that we have that the emperor is actually in a, uh, has these big games, and he actually, they're, they're saying to him, um, pull back this decree. And he asked the question, how many of you are here who are married and your children are children from that marriage? And over half of them who stand... Um, no, less than half of them stand. The rest are, are, are men who have women who they are calling their wife but haven't officially allowed them to be their wife, and the children they're at the games with are out of wedlock. And the emperor basically says, you just proved my point. The decree will not be repealed. This isn't right. Um, and and so, so that's happening. Right, and on the island of Crete, which is part, of course, the Greco-Roman Empire, uh, this Roman Empire, you know, that has this Greco-Roman culture. There's this situation where, where the men were, were even going beyond that, and and so they're they're having uh, relations um, with women who aren't their wives. And by the way, that meant that they were probably either slaves or or prostitutes. And, and so that's that's what they're doing. And so. It's interesting that people would make a statement that say, well, see, that proves that a man should be the only one in leadership. Well, no, it shows that men who had greater freedom than women um, were able to abuse that freedom in a way that was ungodly. And and so that statement has nothing to do with gender uh, when it comes to leadership, but he's particularly pointing out a cultural problem that's happening throughout the empire, but Titus is on Crete, but specifically in Crete, and say, make sure they're a husband and one wife. Some people have looked at that and say, well, is he talking about divorce? It could have been, but but really in context, it doesn't really make more sense about that either. It really has to be really this issue when we look at the historical context. This is really what's happening. It's plaguing the empire. It's not just something the church is dealing with. It's something the whole culture is saying, this is not a healthy way for us to go. 
And, and so that's mentioned there uh, for that particular for that particular reason. And I, I point that out for a lot of reasons, but for one in particular is that we have to understand context. You know, and, and when we look at this in context to the rest of teaching, um, to understand it differently uh, doesn't make sense. But then when you put it in its historical context, you go, ah, that makes perfect sense. Why, why Paul would be so concerned to say to Titus, hey, make sure that you basically don't have someone on, the, on your leadership team there who's a womanizer. That, that's basically, if I were to sum it up, that, that's what it is, a womanizer, which ties into the very second one, too. It says, and his children are, are believers and not open to the charge of being, uh, you know, uh, of debauchery or insubordination. It doesn't mean that you don't have um, kids who go through teen years uh, in our common uh, setting or, or kids who have rough patches or, or that type of thing. But it's saying, listen, make sure that the husband and wife are teaching them, are being an example of godly living and that... Their home life is in order, and I don't even see this as punishment, but if their kids are going the total wrong direction, the last thing they have time to do is be a church leader. Spend more time with your family. Let the church come around you. Let's deal with this issue. So so if God has established on you a call to leadership, you can be in leadership. So many times we look at these things as punishment. And they're not punishment. It's by the grace of God he puts these in the Word to say, no, no, let's, let's put the priorities straight. Church life is important, but really when you look at the very first group that God instituted, it's the family. And your family is more important than anything else. And, and so I, I really think that's tied into this idea of saying, man, they got to be godly people. They, they've got to make sure they're, they're not using their freedom. And like I said, the men had much more freedom. I mean, that's an understatement than the women did. In fact, there's a, another issue we're going to look at in a, a later episode that ties into the whole discipleship strategy. Um, but uh, but we'll, we'll save that for a moment. But but it's written the way it is because of the freedom men have versus the freedom that women do not have uh, throughout the Greco-Roman Empire. And so so he mentions that. And Betty, I'm going to go to you first because you are the uh, the, the the woman on 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 the on the panel here. Uh, you are a pastor. Um, you actually, uh, right now, as, as this is being recorded, lead up uh, our whole district board of ministerial development, uh, which means as people are feeling called to pastor and, and they're, they're uh, going through the process within our district and our denomination, you lead up the team that helps uh, mold upcoming um, pastors. Um, how's that hit you? I mean, because I know you're, you're faced, you've been faced with the question, like, how can you be a Christian and be a pastor, right? Mm-hmm. Or, or, you know, uh, and it's so taken out of context. How, how, does, how does that hit you? Yeah. And, and when you say you've been hit with that question, I literally have been point blank hit with, with that question, you know, again and again. But I think there has to be a confidence in the truth of God's word. And so I have a confidence in his truth, and I have a confidence in the calling that he's put on my life. And in doing the study, because um, uh, I wouldn't be doing a good service if I didn't do a study in that. If people are going to question it, I'm not just going to throw that question away. I've got to do my study and my research on it. And so, you know, one of the things that comes to mind, well, two things that come to mind um, over and over again are Scripture does not contradict itself. Yes. And so when you look at this verse, you must take it in context, like you've shared again and again and again, because there are so many other times in Scripture, Old Testament and New Testament, I just happen to love the Old Testament, Old Testament and New Testament that 
um, reflect women in leadership, and they don't apologize for that. It's it's stated there, and it's a truth. And if it if they were trying to please the culture rather than um, write in a way that uh, what was happening within the culture, right? They wouldn't have included those scriptures, and so that that's a big deal. And and. I uh, would hope that people would begin to dig into some of those things as well and not take something out of context. And the second thing is I've talked to many women who have felt a call on their life and who have mentored others and guided and done so well, and you can see the call is evident in their life, and yet they've stepped back. And that is so unfortunate for me that um, someone else, uh, I just have to be careful how I word this, right, but that others have... um, blocked their way. And and be careful because they're not blocking just that woman's way, but they're blocking something that God had intended. And um, that's that's really sad on many levels. Yeah, it's so. sort of interesting because I didn't know that, that there were denominations that had a problem with this until I was in college. Mm. And when I found out, it sort of blew my mind. Like, you know, I, I, I couldn't understand why. And so I actually had to dig into it just to learn why they felt the way they did, because as I had studied scripture and, and, and the examples that have been set for me, it just wasn't, it was a non-issue with me. It's still a non-issue. Um, for me, um, two things really, really bug me about this. And and so I'll say it, and they bug me, but I've never had to deal with it face-to-face like you have, per se, just as lead pastor, you know, if people say, and I can't believe you'd have, you know, someone's staff like that, and I go, well, they're, they're amazing, and I'd rather have them than you. I don't say that, I just think that, of course. But um, but the but the other part is, as I looked at it, I realized, what a, what a bad hermeneutic. Hermeneutic is the way we study Scripture, that they use a hermeneutic that's different than any way we study any other passage, which to me is is really troubling, to say, I believe so strongly that should just be guys, so I'm going to change the way I study Scripture in this one particular area in order to make it appear to say something that I wanted to say. And if you're listening to this and that offends you, I just challenge you to really think about the fact that that you're picking uh, two, maybe three passages. And, and when I say passages, actually they're verses, and they're parts of verses, right, entire verses. And there, there's a contradictory uh, reality that happens even when we look at what's written to, to Timothy on this. And, and so there's so much there. The other thing is so many of the people are very degrading. Um, I heard a very famous uh, church leader, I use that in quotes, church leader in quotes, who said, I can't believe that some churches have pastors in skirts. And I thought, that's a womanizing, like, that's ungodly, like, to say it that way, right? It's one thing to say, I can't believe there's churches that have women who are in leadership, but to actually come out and say that they have preachers in skirts, I thought, I thought that's really weird. Um, not to mention as uh, having Scottish heritage, uh, you know, there are some men who wear kilts that you can call a skirt, and that's sort of offensive too. But I thought, you know, it, it's just interesting to me, if, if you're saying something as a jerk, and that's a, that's, that comes from the Greek jerkos, um, but if you, if you say something as a jerk, can you really stand on, on godly authority? I, I just don't, I don't, I don't get that. And so there seems to be such an aggression, a meanness over this topic, and um, which is so ironic that the reason it even has us in here is to call out the men for doing something that that's abusing their freedom. Uh, what do you, what do you, what do you think, Elijah? <clears throat> well, um, <laughs> I, it's interesting, you know. Um, I have an aunt that's a pastor, and. Um, uh, so you've been questioning this for years, haven't you? I have, yeah, because it's, <laughs> oh, no. you know, every family uh, event. I'm yeah, like, yeah, yeah. wondering what's you... going on yeah, here. Yeah, no. Um, I, uh, 
Betty, by the way, is Betty his aunt, is, so Betty that's, that's aunt. why. So <laughs> yeah. if you're, yeah. you're like, what in the world is going um, on? This podcast just took a weird turn. I, uh, But no, it's, it, it's one of those things that as – so just to bring it to a real place in my life, I can't imagine any situation where – as a as someone who is trying to now more than ever dig into the the context of scripture and understand it to its core so that i can i can better then take it for myself but then also better to to show it and to teach it to others right i can't imagine I can't one I can't imagine changing like you said my method of my method of study to change something like that. But then I also can't imagine I can't imagine taking taking such verses and putting them into a different context to then use in this specific situation because you kind of touched on this a little bit as well, but the 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 amount of of work that God wants to do through each and every person, it's a it's all throughout Scripture that you know Paul in his in his other letters has written about how God's plan is so intricate to include specific roles and callings for each person that all culminatively become the body of Christ. Right? That's not just the men of the body of Christ. Right? It's not. He, like, it's it's so interesting to me that you would that you would take all of that other portions of scripture that talk about God's plan to use all of us and then are you just are you saying that that's incorrect are you saying and so i my whole my whole christian walk has been has been affected so greatly by devoted devoted people to Christ and devoted leaders. Yes. And um I just think about how you know and it's it's a little funny because she's in the room but how someone like Betty who has had such a immense impact on my life I can't imagine where I where I would be today mm. following in what I know God's calling is for my life if I hadn't had her as an example in my life, yes. you know, but I, I just can't imagine being in the position to say, no, that's not what God wants you to do. Who am I to say, who yeah. is anybody to say that we recognize, we think maybe that what God wants you to do and no, maybe that's not part of God's plan for whatever reason. And so it's a little bit, it hits close to home, right? Because I have, I have, I have immediate connections to so many and it's you know maybe because of part of my job but I have so many so many uh just amazing people in my life who are in ministry who are striving every day to be closer and closer to God so that they can lead effectively men and women I it's almost more women in the office like I can think of that I get to work with on a regular basis that are doing that and I just can't imagine it just hits home, you know. I got to be careful yeah. what I say, but it's. I think the over the the thing to remember is, as intricate as God's plan is and has 
how specific his calling is for each and every one of us, how important it is that we embrace those things. Yes. You know, whether whether you're a man or a woman. Yeah. You know? And that really does bring us back full circle into what we're talking about with the eldership qualifications, that really the qualification isn't about nobility, it's not even about gender, it's about godliness. And are you pursuing a Christ-like life? And, and if, if you are, then you're eligible for leadership. Mm. If you're not, then you're not, right? That That's really the qualification. And, um, and you know, he gives a list of what that looks like, some practical outward expressions, if you will. And he does that later on the on the even the negative side. And we understand that sin isn't just about outward things that starts in the heart. And godliness isn't just about outward things that starts in the heart. But the fruit is is all we can see, right? And so when he's saying to Titus, hey, when you're going through Crete and seeing these different Christian communities, you want to find people who are pursuing Christ-likeness, right? Who are who really do know God and are seeking to make him known. And so that's that's actually the call for every believer. Mm-hmm. Every believer, you know, and, and so the, what should what should be able to happen is in a Christian community or those who know Christ who are pursuing Christ, then the question can be how many people are called to this leadership position versus how many people are living in such a way that they could be in this position. We should have many, many people who could be elders, but only a few are called, you know, as far as, you know, you don't have – every church member was a, was a part of the board, Um that would be awkward. And so, you know, really uh, uh, boards are meant to be somewhat small and intentional in what they do. And, and, you know, the pastoral team the same way, you know, we're to equip uh, the church to be able to do the work of the ministry. And so everyone shouldn't be a pastor either. Um, But as you work your way down, small group leaders, all these things, we're looking for people who are just pursuing Christ. And as we're on journey like that together, that's the overarching principle that Paul's laying out here, that godly living is important. And so as we sort of wrap up the episode, uh, Betty, we'll start with you and go around the table again. Final thoughts on the qualifications of an elder. I think the qualifications are so important because as you stated, uh, they lead you to godly living. And no matter where you're called, you are called somewhere in God's service. And it might be with your family. That might be your primary responsibility at this time is to minister to to your family. And that's huge important. It's no less important than any other role that God has given you before or will give you in the future. But um, these principles and this godly living set you up for a life of um, faithfulness and joy and so many other things that come as positive uh, influences in the lives of others as well. That's great. Elijah? Yeah, I would just piggyback on that and say, you know, as as Paul lays out these these qualifications for for leadership and as we've been using this language of 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 frankly just this godly living um layout is the I can only speak from my own life and as I have intentionally tried to pursue these qualifications in my own life over time and this godly living lifestyle um it is so much it is so much easier to 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 be in in closeness and to and to be in connection with God which i guess it, it sounds obvious to say that but as as you pursue these things and as you pursue godly living all some other things, it just a natural part of that process is start to fall to the wayside and you become, you get to focus more and, and God will use that mm. and he'll use your commitment to him and to these things. And, um, 
it's just exciting how that works. Yeah, I you know I just go back to what I started. You know, to what amazed me so much about the fellowship qualifications is how utterly unamazing they are. You know, but, but basically it's 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 pursuing Christ and. And uh, that's the call that, that God's placed on all of our lives. And so, if if we're if we're doing that, then then the next question just simply is: Are are you called to be in a particular leadership role? Um, is is what's happening here? And so, it, it's just awesome to, to think about. Again, you know, we talk about Titus being a small, you know, little book with big lessons, and and this is one of the sections too, which seems just a small section, but it has so much to teach us, so much to teach us. And so I just encourage you, uh, dig into the book of Titus. And, you know, if you're following along in the series we're currently in here at Crosswinds, and if you're listening to this after we're not currently in it, well, we archive all of, our, all of our messages. But I just encourage you, dig into the book, dig into the book. And if you're following along with us, I hope you're, hope you're uh, I'd use the word enjoying it, but more than, more than enjoying it, I hope you're growing through it, because I know I am, as I'm putting these messages together and being able to talk about these issues with others and the podcasts and elsewhere, um, I'm growing. Uh, and, and to me, that's, that's exciting when we're growing together. Um, as always, you know, I, I just encourage you to share this podcast with someone who you think would benefit from it. Um, hope you uh, tune in next week. And again, we're going to have ongoing conversations over the next month or so uh, about certain aspects of the book of Titus in this podcast. Um, if you need to know more about us, uh, head on over to crosswinds.church. Uh, that's our website. And as always, uh, for now, be blessed and bless others.